0: gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. Our opening hymn is a hymn Would You Be Free from Your Burden of Sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. That was good singing in those opening hymns, but let's do our very best as we stand now to make this the opening hymn of our Sabbath evening mission here in Dalryada School. together in prayer, their heads bowed. Let's sing that little chorus. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me my great salvation, so rich and so free. And after we sing this little chorus in the Lord's presence, we're going to ask one of our committee men, Mr. Victor Galt, if he'll come And lead us to the throne of grace in prayer, please.
1: Let's all unite our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come into thy presence, Lord, in this uh, Lord's Day evening, Father, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that there's power in Jesus' blood. And Lord, tonight we just thank you for thy dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and for, Lord, how he went all the way to the cross of Calvary to shed his precious blood, Lord, that we might be saved. And, Father, tonight we cry unto thee that, Lord, as we would commence, Lord, even this service tonight, that, Lord, you would come, and, Lord, you would be one of our number tonight. Father, we pray that you will fill this place with thy presence. Lord, we pray that they would be pleased, Lord, even to bless us as we sing the old-fashioned gospel hymns. And, Lord, we pray even tonight that you will bless the one who will come and minister even in song tonight. Bless our dear sister, Lord, as you would come to even sing tonight. And, Lord, we pray to you most especially Lord, whenever it comes to the time of preaching thy word, that you will bless our dear pastor. Lord, as he would open up thy precious word tonight. Lord, as he would come to preach the glorious gospel or glorious message of the gospel. Father, we pray that thou will help him tonight. Lord, help him, Lord, tonight even to preach thy word as a dying man to dying men and women. And Father, we pray that you would be pleased to touch every heart, Lord. Not only here in this uh, building tonight, Lord, but those that are watching even online. Father, we pray that... You would be pleased, Lord, even just to touch hearts tonight. And Lord, even be pleased to save a precious soul, even here in this place. Lord, we thank you for this mission. We pray, Father, that you will continue to bless it, Lord, even in the week that lies ahead. And Lord, we pray that even tonight that you will be pleased, Lord, even to save. Lord, we just ask you to come and, Lord, to be one of our number here tonight. For in Jesus' precious name we ask it. Amen.
0: Thank you, Victor. I'm going to sing her theme hymn. I heard an old old story. A saviour came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save our red side. We'll stand together again while we sing this lovely hymn, please. Sisters, will give us a note, and we'll sing the next verse and chorus on accompany. Tonight we have those who have come to minister and song and we're delighted to have Rebecca Miller with us tonight she's probably hoarse after having sung happy birthday that often to her father-in-law today but uh, Rebecca you're going to come and minister to us in song please, Lord bless you <coughs>
2: The of God has reached for me And pulled me from a raging sea And I am safe on this solid ground The Lord is my salvation I will not fear when darkness falls His strength will help me scale these walls I'll see the dawn of the rising sun The Lord is my salvation Who is like the Lord Strong To save faithful in love My debt is paid and the victory won The Lord is my salvation My hope is hidden in the Lord He flowers each promise of his word When winter fades, I know spring will come. The Lord is my salvation. And dreams of waiting, times of need. When I know loss, when I am weak. His grace will renew these days. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord? my salvation And when I reach my final day He will not leave me in the grave But I will rise He will call me home The Lord is my salvation So...
0: Thank you, Rebecca, for ministering to us in song, and you'll be coming back in a few moments to sing to us again. I trust that each one of us in our hearts tonight can say, the Lord is my salvation. You just don't know about him, but you know him personally as your own and personal saviour. Rebecca, thank you in the saviour's name. We bid you all welcome to the midpoint in our gospel campaign here in the school. And we trust and pray that you will know the Lord's blessing. Thank you for coming. If it's your first time with us, you're especially welcome. And we trust you'll come back again. And to our own people, our own congregation, thank you for your faithfulness, for your attendance. And it is never taken for granted, uh, your attendance at these various services that we hold. So thank you in the Saviour's name. And also to those who are joining with us on Sermon Audio, Facebook and YouTube, and I trust that as you join us here, that you will also know the blessing of the Lord. I was very pleased just the other evening to see a cousin of mine who lives away in Canada. And Sheila was listening in, and it filled our hearts. And wherever you're from across the world, we trust that the Lord will bless you as you've joined with us. Do you remember the mission as it goes into its second week. Each night uh, we'll meet for prayer at 730 and then 8pm, uh, the gospel service. And as we've had in the week that's passed, there will be those who will be along to sing. And so tomorrow night, Mr. John Porter. Tuesday night, Mrs. Lucy Craig. It's very difficult to remember that's Lucy Craig. Uh, you have to sort of pinch yourself and remember it's uh, not someone else. Uh, Wednesday night is the Reverend Fred Greenfield. Thursday night is Mr. Jonathan Logan and Friday night, Mrs. Joy Boyd. So do remember each one as they come to minister to us in um, song. Can I also just remind you all of the special prayer service that we'll have, concert that we'll have in the town hall on the 29th of this month. That's the Friday night after the finishing of the mission, and that's to uh, commemorate and to give praise for 40 years of our Christian school. the Reverend William McRae, the Reverend Greenfield, Milltown Accordion Band and others will be taking part. So do remember that come and join us on that occasion, the 29th of September, 8pm, in the Town Hall in Ballymoney. Our offering hymn is the hymn, I once was a sinner, but now I'm free. His wondrous grace has rescued me. We'll remain seated for the opening verses of the hymn, um, while the evening tithe and offering is lifted, please. <clears throat> To sing the final verse on the chord. Ask a beggar to come and to bring her final message and so on.
2: Your grace that leads this inner home. Christ my Lord
0: for ministering to us in song and how blessed we have been even as we have listened to those pieces. Our evangelist has been our own minister, Reverend Park. We are indebted to him for his faithful preaching of the Word of God. and Just before he comes uh, to minister God's word to us, can and he can close his ears to this part, uh, on Friday night we will, as we always do, in our Gospel missions have a love offering. And so we just leave that with you and just remember to come on Friday night prepared for a love offering which will go to our brother, the Reverend Park. We're going to ask him now to come and to minister God's word to us.
3: Thank you, Mervyn, as always, for leading. That's appreciated. Thank you for coming and for those that are tuning in on the internet tonight. <coughs> There's one announcement that does need to be made and confirmed as the week goes on, and it's to do with this hall and the school. Um, we're not able to meet here on Thursday night. So we're speaking to the principal tonight and They did try to accommodate us elsewhere, but that's not possible. There's a parents' night and there's 200 people coming here, so they need this room. There's another room they could have given us, but it's a smaller room that'll accommodate just about 100 people. And the sports hall is being used as well. They said there's geriatric football, Uh, so don't be going to that on Thursday night. Some of you folks, make sure you're with us at the Mission if you're free, But we'll announce where the mission will be. We'll, we'll not cancel it on Thursday night but we'll announce as the week goes on and look on social media. We'll have an advert there as well, possibly down to the church or whatever but we'll let you know for sure. Thank you Rebecca for coming and singing. Singing about the love of Christ and the grace of God and redemption. Those were the main themes that she sang about this evening and you couldn't sing about anything better, my Jesus, I love thee. Every believer can say that from the very depths of your being. I love thee. Not ashamed to say, I love the Lord. I love him for the crown of thorns that he wore. I love him for going to the cross of Calvary, suffering for me, taking my sin, my guilt upon himself, bearing the wrath of God on my part so that I could go free and my sins could be forgiven. And so we say in our hearts, all of us, Lord, we love thee tonight with all of our heart. And we do say also, oh, for grace to love him more. Our love is weak, isn't it, so often? But may the Lord give us a greater love. Rebecca and I have played together. Um, She played the piano, and I played the accordion. And it was down in the home in Balaamena. And we did that, and the old folks came in and they, they sang I, she played well, I just did my best uh, to play the accordion, but we had good, good times. Those That was pre-COVID days, and way back then, that's when you were single, and now you're a married lady. Good to have you too with us, Andrew. May the Lord bless you. I want you to open the scriptures to Luke chapter 16. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm going to read from the 19th verse, verse 19 through to verse 31, to the end of the chapter. This is a story that is known to you, one related by the Lord himself. It's always very difficult to preach on this subject, and yet we know before God we have to be faithful to the souls of men. As we thought about today, And we wrestled in our own hearts about the message. It just seemed that the Lord was saying again in my heart, warn them from me, warn them from me. I've been reading through the book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel was to warn them from God, be a faithful prophet. And that's what I want to be, a faithful prophet to your soul. Now let's read God's word. Verse 19. (coughs) There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead Amen ending the reading at the end of the chapter let's pray together once again Lord we return thanks for this mission and for all that has gone before as far as tonight's meeting is concerned thank you for the beautiful hymns that we have sung together for the ministry and song leading us to the love that we have for Christ leading us to God's matchless grace and how they were saved by grace alone and causing us to sing about redemption And Lord, we know that we can only have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of God's grace. Now we come to your word, this very solemn passage of Scripture. We know that there's none like it in all the Bible. And Lord, as we just look at a verse tonight, we pray for grace and help just to settle down into the presence of God Lord, we come before one who is glorious, one who is awesome, one who is holy, one who is to be revered and feared. We come before the majestic presence of our God and we just pray even in the word we will have a conscious sense of your presence. The Lord sitting beside us, the Spirit speaking in us, applying the word to the mind, the heart, the conscience. We need that work. We need the ministry of the Spirit if a work is ever to be done in the heart of any. And if this preacher is to get the help that he needs, Lord, I need the Holy Ghost. And so make this a Holy Ghost meeting. We do pray these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Just one verse that I want to draw particular attention to. And it's the words of verse 26. And putting a title on the message, The Great Impassable gulf of Luke 16. And that's what Jesus is referring to in this story, verse 26. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. This is the only record in the entire Bible that speaks about the great gulf. It's the solemn words of Jesus Christ as he speaks on the awful subject of hell. It's not a parable. Some people call it a parable. I'm not going to take particular issue with that. Even some of the the well-known and revered commentators might call it a parable. And even if it was a parable, it's still teaching the same truths that we often look at from this particular chapter. But I believe it's not a parable. For one thing is not called a parable. Usually the Bible says, and he spake a parable or another parable unto them, saying, in parables, names are never given. But we have real names, real historical characters, like Abraham, the father of the faithful, who's mentioned in this story. Another man's name is given, the name of Lazarus, And there's a third character here, the rich man who is without a name. His name is just simply not given by the Lord. And the Lord is teaching some fearful truths about the great eternity of God. Now, whether he is referring to a period of history that goes way back in the days, through the days of Abraham, or whether it's something more recent that has happened, we don't know. All we know is that Here we have truths presented by the dear Son of God as he deliberates on the awful subject of a lost eternity. He tells us of two men that lived upon the earth. One is called a certain rich man and the other is named Lazarus. Now, why the name of the rich man is not given, I don't know. Maybe that was just the the love and the kindness of the Lord, not to mention his name. If this particular story was recent, there may have been some relatives or family members or friends that were standing in the, the audience. And if he mentioned the name, they would immediately be able to identify who it was. So the Lord, he just simply calls him a certain rich man. The lifestyle of these two individuals vastly differed. One possessed Everything of this world's goods. The other possessed nothing. One was rich. One was poor. One was clothed in purple. The other in rags. One fared sumptuously every day. The other desired to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Probably never enjoying a proper meal any day. One never had to beg in his life. He had wealth and material gain, the other was a beggar. One lived in a fine mansion, the other had no home. He lay at the rich man's gate. One had a nice warm bed, undoubtedly, to sleep in. The other slept outdoors. On the ground, the ground was his bed, and maybe a stone for his pillow, like the saviour himself, who had nowhere to lay his head. One we believe had health and vitality and life. The other was full of sores. One had friends, servants and family. The other was friendless and probably had no family. One had doctors and physicians when he was sick. The other just had dogs that came and licked his sores. Physically there was a vast distinction between the two. And also spiritually, because the rich man was poor. And the poor man was rich when it came to grace and salvation. Now both of them died. By and by, both of them left this life. that's the, the common lot of all mankind. In verse 22, it came to pass that the beggar died, was carried with the, by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died And was buried. The poverty of the poor man. Possibly. Assisted his death. He came maybe to an early grave. Because of malnutrition. Because of ill health. The riches of the rich man. Could not prevent him dying. Both of them died. Both of them left this world. Into which they came. Both of them entered eternity. And both of them received. Their just rewards. One eternal life. And the other eternal damnation. The beggar closed his eyes on earth. And he opened his eyes in paradise. The rich man closed his eyes on earth. And opened his eyes in perdition. And between the two existed a great gulf. Such as the text of scripture that we're setting before you tonight. This great gulf forevermore. Now, fewer passages strike a more solemn and awful note than this. And never forget, this is the preaching of Christ. This is the Lord's Sermon. And I believe the Lord's Sermon to your heart this evening. So it behoves us to sit up and and to listen. And I trust that the Lord's Sermon will speak to your heart as we think of this awful destiny, the great, impassable gulf of Luke 16. I want you to notice, first of all, the destiny that is described. Look at our text. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot; neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Prior to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it seems apparent that all souls, save the lost, entered into a region. Of departed spirits called in the Greek Hades. This Greek word is translated hell in the New Testament. This word never means the grave. Nor is it the permanent destination of lost souls. And it's not the permanent destination of the redeemed either. The word is used four times in the Gospels. And is always used by Christ. It is used firstly... In the Gospel of Matthew. The chapter 11. And verse 23. It with reference to Capernaum. Jesus says. And thy Capernaum. Which are exalted unto heaven. Shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which. Have been done in thee. Had been done in Sodom. It would have remained. Until this day. The second reference. Is in chapter 16. Of the Gospel of Matthew And verse 18, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell. That's the same word, Hades, in the original. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then we have the the third reference is in the Gospel of Luke and the chapter 10 and verse 15 and you needn't turn to the portion, but it's the same parallel portion to the first reference speaking about Capernaum that had been exalted to heaven, Jesus said, will be brought down to hell. And the fourth reference is here in this passage of scripture. It's in verse 23. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments. Now this word is also used with reference to the soul of Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ died, and was in the state of death for three days. He went somewhere. Where did he go? Well, let me read to you what the Word of God tells us in Acts chapter 2. And we're thinking here about verse 27. Let's take a moment to to turn to the place. Acts chapter 2 and verse 27. It's the preaching of Peter on the day of Pentecost, and he makes reference to it here. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So if we put it into the word that's in the Greek. Thou wilt not leave my soul in Hades. Says the Lord Jesus Christ. And then again in verse 31. He saying this before. Speak of the resurrection of Christ. That his soul was not left. In hell, in Hades, neither his flesh did see corruption. So the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was crucified, put upon the cross, he died. He was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And his body lay there for three days until the resurrection. But his soul went somewhere. His soul went to this place called Hades. And now that's a big subject and another story for another time. The Lord Jesus declares that he has the keys of this place. And he declares that in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell. Have the keys of Hades and of death. And just to mention one other reference, and it's over In the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, and at the verse 13, we're told here in this text that this place, Hades, gives up the dead, and so gives up the dead for judgment. Revelation 1 verse, Revelation 20 verse 8, I'm going to get the reference right here, 20 verse 13. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, death and hell, that's the word, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Now, from the description of Christ given to us in Luke chapter 16, we learn that there were two sections or two departments that are separated by this great gulf. I think you get the picture. In one place, there's a picture of blessedness. That's where Lazarus went. Paradise, if you like. That's where Abraham was. That's where all the saints of the Old Testament were. On the other side of the great gulf, there is a place of awful torment and flame. And that's where the rich man is. And you can just imagine what the Savior is setting before us here concerning this place called Hades. There's a great gulf, this great gulf that has been fixed forevermore. One side is the place of comfort and blessedness. The other side is the place of torment. We further learn some facts about these destinies. Paradise, for example, was a place where the Old Testament saints like Abraham went to at the point of death. There was no delay getting there. You see, when Lazarus died, the Bible tells us that immediately he was carried By the angels into Abraham's bosom. There's a doctrine that some believe today. Including some of the modern cults. And they they talk about soul sleep. And your soul will sleep. And your body will sleep. Until the resurrection. And therefore from death until the resurrection. You go out of existence. That's heresy. It's not what the Bible teaches. As soon as a person Dies. They go out into eternity. Their soul goes out into eternity. And they are somewhere. And as far as the redeemed are concerned. And men like Lazarus. And Abraham. They go to this place of blessedness. This place of comfort. Gone are the sorrows. Gone are the sicknesses. The sores. The sadness. It certainly was for this poor beggar when he went there. But we also learn, not only is it a place of comfort, but on one side, it's a place of torments. And you look at the language of the Lord in Luke chapter 16, and you see that very clearly. It's a place of flame and fire, which man is crying out, I'm tormented in this flame. The soul of man is is engulfed in the fires of this place called Hades. And there's mental anguish. This man is in absolute turmoil in a number of ways in his mind. It's a place of crying, because we're told that that this rich man in hell he he cried, he cried out. It's a place where men long for mercy, but there's no mercy. You see how the man is crying here. Have mercy on me, but mercy is clean gone forever. And it's a place where People will long for water. No water in hell. He's longing for just a a drop of water. That Lazarus might be permitted to come to him. and, And take this drop of water and cool his tongue. For he's tormented he says in this flame. And it's a place certainly for this man. Where he was concerned for his family. Whatever thoughts that men have in hell about their family back on earth. This is very likely one of them. If they loved them at all. If they had any regard for them when they were here upon the earth. And they would just think in their mind and heart. I don't want my family to come here. And you see from the story that. This man wanted Lazarus to be raised from the dead. And sent back. Back to the earth. To preach the gospel. To his five brothers who were still living. Why? Lest they also come to this place. Of torment. These are the things that we learn. And as far as communication is concerned. Communication was permitted. On this one occasion. I see no biblical authority to say. It's ever been permitted before or after this case. Or will ever be again in the future. But on this one occasion. There was communication across the great gulf. Between the rich man and Abraham. So the destiny that is described. There's a great gulf fixed. One side is the place of comfort. The other side is the place of torment. Then I want you to see, secondly, that there is the impossibility that is defined. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. You know, that's a great encouragement to the saved of God. If you're a believer tonight, be encouraged by what you read here. Because we will never be in hell. We will never be damned. Christ has given to his people eternal life. And they shall never perish. It's it's eternal peace that he gives us. Eternal joy. Eternal happiness. Eternal satisfaction. Eternal rejoicing beyond the grave. There is no passage from heaven to hell whatsoever. Glorified saints will never be in the prison house of a lost eternity. And that brings me comfort. But not so for those that are lost. When you think about what Christ is saying here. It really is despair. It's despair for those who know not the Lord. There's no hope whatsoever eternity. Never think that you're going to get a second chance. Some people get it into their mind that they can just live for the world in this life as they please. And they'll die. And somehow or other in the mercy of God, in the grace of God, there's going to be another chance given. And maybe, maybe I'll be delivered from hell and I'll go to heaven at some point in the future. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. What Jesus is teaching is you can never pass from the one to the other. Not a saint will go to hell, but not a sinner that's lost will ever go to heaven. There is no salvation beyond the grave. If you do not get saved before you die, you will perish in your sin and you will be lost forever. That's what our Lord is telling us here. Throughout the countless millenniums, you'll never be able to cross to the other side over this great gulf. Now hear the solemn statements of God's word. Let me read you a verse that we have in the book of Job, the chapter 30 and verse 24. Howbeit he will not stretch out his hand to the grave though they cry in his destruction. The verse before it is speaking about death. I know that thou will bring me To death. To the house appointed for all living. And everyone here can say that. I know. there's a lot of things you don't know. But here's something you can be certain about. As Job said it. I know that you'll bring me to death. To the house appointed for all living. Howbeit he will not stretch out his hand to the grave. Though they cry. In his destruction. When you die without the Lord. You go into destruction. That awful place. That has been created for the devil and his angels. And for all lost souls. And though you cry just like the rich man is crying. In Luke chapter 16. God will not stretch out his hand beyond the grave. There is no salvation after you die. Let me read to you what we have in Proverbs chapter 29 and 1. He that being often reproved. And that's many of you, many that come to our meetings, attend our missions, often reproved, often told. Every time the gospel is preached, every time Christ is presented, every time your sin is exposed, every time you're warned to flee from the wrath of God, the Lord's reproving you, he's speaking to you. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, hardens himself against God, will not turn to him. Shall suddenly be destroyed, and then mark how the text ends, and that without remedy. And the man that's been told many times about the gospel hardens himself against God and he's cut off from this world. It's without remedy. There's no remedy, you see, beyond the grave. No deliverance, no salvation, no hope after death. The rich man went to hell at least. 2,000 years ago, if it was in the time of Christ that this man lived. Or maybe twice that, if you go way back to the time of Abraham. He went to hell then, and he's still there this very night. He's still burning, he's still crying, he's still weeping, he's still longing, he's still wailing in torments, and he hasn't been able to cross over the great gulf. Because that's an impossibility, Nor will he be able at any time future. He got his eyes opened. But it was too late for him. The gulf is impassable. Now here on earth. There is a path to heaven. It's plain. It's safe. And it's opened. Do you know where it was opened? It was opened at a place called Calvary. Calvary. Where Jesus bled and died, poured out his blood for our sin. And if we can put it in such terms, it's the only bridge. It's the only bridge to heaven. But here is a man who says, "I will not take that path. I will go my own way." And so he dies without the Lord, and he wakes in hell, and the bridge, it's gone. The path to heaven has disappeared. And he is confronted by this this chasm. That he cannot cross. How he, he longs to get to the other side. He longs for a bridge that might take him there. Some way of escape. He can't jump. It's too wide. No. He is destroyed without remedy. As the scripture says. The impossibility can't cross over, Jesus says, one way or the other. Very quickly, there is the tragedy that is declared. The text here is speaking about a great gulf. And what is the tragedy in that description? Very simply this, separation, separation. The great gulf, can you picture it in your mind? One side, the other side. There's separation. Abraham, Lazarus, And all the redeemed on one side, the rich man and all the lost on the other side. And they're separated, separated forever. And this reminds me that the cross of Jesus Christ divides us, it divides families, it divides friends. It divides this very congregation tonight. There are people on the right side. There are people on the wrong side. There are people on the right side and they're going home to glory, to heaven itself. There are people on the wrong side and they're going out into the place of lostness forevermore. And it's separation. It's separation now and time. And if you don't get right with God, it's separation forever and ever. And there's one other little thought. With this I will close. The eternity that is distressing. Let me read my text one final time. Verse 26. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So what Jesus is speaking about here is forever. The great gulf is fixed. It's fixed for the countless ages of eternity. The hell taught by Jesus Christ is eternal. And if his words mean anything, it is plain that it is eternal. And this is what the Bible teaches throughout. Let me give you some of the descriptions to prove this. With you just as we close the meeting, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. You'll know this is the preaching of Christ on the end times and the coming of Himself when He comes to this earth. And in this chapter, He's teaching separation all the way through. I think we mentioned this one night of the mission here in Matthew 25. The three parables are teaching separation the wise and the foolish the faithful and the, the unfaithful, and the sheep and the goats, the just and the unjust, as the case is. But mark what it says in verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, this, this is a shepherd dividing the sheep, the goats speaking about the unconverted on the left, the sheep on the right speaking about the truly redeemed. Then shall he say also unto To them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Mark it, please. Everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46, the last verse of the chapter. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Can I read to you what we have in the book of Jude? Just one little chapter there. But I want you to mark the the seventh verse of this epistle of Jude. Because again it's reinforcing the fact that here is something that is forever and forever. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner. Giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire Jesus is telling us that the fire of hell is forever it's eternal one final reference and that's in the book of Revelation and the chapter 14 and verse 11 the smoke of their torment ascendeth up for ever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night. Who worship the beast in his image. And whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. And again we're marking the words forever and ever. No rest day or night. This is the Bible hell. This great gulf has been fixed. Fixed permanently. Well, Satan is telling you uh, tonight. Oh, don't believe it. Don't believe the word of God. It's not true. You'll not die forever. That's what he told our first parents. You'll not die if you take that which God has forbidden. Don't worry about dying. It's not true. He tried to make God out a liar. But my dear friends, it is true. Don't be deceived. There is a wrath to come. And if you do not believe God's account, even the greatest miracle will have no effect upon you. Think about what the Lord tells in this story just at the end of it. This conversation is taking place between Abraham and the rich man. He says, Abraham, send Lazarus. Raise him from the dead. Get the Lord to raise him from the dead. Send him back to the earth. Make him a witness to my my family, my brothers that are back there. And you know, if you do that, they will believe. These sinful men, as they no doubt were, they will believe. Why? Because of this miracle. If they see somebody that's, that's alive from the grave, raised to life again, they'll believe. And Abraham had to say, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, remember the New Testament wasn't written at this stage, if they don't believe God's word, they're not going to believe, even though one was raised from the dead. You'll not believe if you see a great miracle if you fail to believe what God is saying in his word. My dear friends, there is a great impassable gulf that is fixed forever. Where will you be? On what side will you fall? Because where you fall, that's where you'll be forever in the great eternity of God. It's heaven or hell. It's glory or despair. And you need Christ if you're not saved. You need the Lord. I trust you'll find him today for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. <clears throat> there are many solemn portions of Scripture, many other texts that I could have drawn attention to, but certainly this one in Luke chapter 16, <clears throat> the preaching of Christ as he brings us to this very unique reality because nowhere else in the bible do you read about this gulf that is fixed nowhere else in the bible do you actually read about a man that's there in a lost eternity but jesus tells us about him and i say do you heed the lord listen to what christ is saying don't listen to what i'm saying i'm just his messenger but take the word of god and hear what the lord is saying to your heart today preparation needs to be made There's only one way of salvation and that is Christ. Jesus says, I'm the way. No other way. You must hear what the Lord is saying. I'm the way. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me, he says. There needs to be a coming to Christ. You're asking the question, preacher, how can I be saved? You can be saved through Christ. You need to acknowledge that you're a sinner. The Bible says, only acknowledge thy sin. Need to acknowledge that your sin deserves the punishment that the Bible teaches. That's what I deserve forevermore. I deserve to be lost. Need to realize you can do nothing to save your own soul. But here's the message of the gospel. Christ came. Came into the world. Came for one purpose. To be the redeemer. The savior of man. One purpose in God becoming human flesh. That he might at the end of his ministry go to Calvary and suffer and bleed and die as the only sacrifice for sin. And you need to realize that what he did upon the cross was for you. My friends, If you realize those truths? I'm a sinner before God. I know I deserve his condemnation. I can do nothing of myself to bring eternal life. But Jesus died for me. He paid the price of my sin. What do you need to do? You need to call upon him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And so we are presenting to you today a Savior, and his name is Jesus. When you turn to him, when you flee the wrath to come, when you get right with God, be certain about heaven. If we can help you, we're here. We're not in any hurry away at all. And we'll be only glad to talk to you about the things of God and how you can get right with the Lord. O oh God, our gracious Father, thank Thee for Your precious Word. Thank Thee for this message of Christ that He, He preached when He was here on the earth. Solemn message that causes up us to, to sit up and think. Brings comfort to the believer tonight to know that there's a great gulf that's fixed that we'll we'll never, we'll never go to hell or save for eternity. But Lord, it brings dread and consternation to those that do not know Christ because it's not well with their soul. And if they die without the Lord, then they're separated forever and ever in a Christless hell. Waken them up tonight and may they seek Christ for Jesus' sake. Amen. I wonder are you troubled tonight at all about your soul? Very possible people can come to missions and gospel services and they're not troubled. They just sit and don't care. It's very possible also that God has spoken in this mission, spoken to you. Are you troubled? Are you anxious? Do you desire salvation? Sinner, how thy heart is troubled. God is coming very near. Do not hide thy deep emotion. Do not check that falling tear. Oh, be saved. That's the message today. will be saved as grace is free. Oh, be saved. He died for thee. Thank you. bending over thee. If you could but know that and sense it and feel it in your heart. The Christ of God is bending over thee. Jesus lowly, meek and mild to the friend who died for to save thee. Wilt thou not be reconciled? Let's sing it. The final verse, art thou waiting till the morrow? there's not a greater appeal than those lines at the end this preacher says to you tonight oh be saved his grace is free your Christian family member or friend who's with you tonight would say the very same if you could hear the angels of God standing by ready to bear the glad tidings to heaven over one soul that repents they would say oh be saved his grace is free But I tell you, the blessed Christ who's bending over this gathering, he's saying that. He loves you. He died for you. He invites you to come to him. And Jesus himself says, oh, be saved. My grace is free. Oh, be saved. I died for thee. May it be that personal to your heart. Gracious God, bless your word. Use it for your glory. Speak to hearts now as we leave.